Take your Bibles to Matthew 24. They're going to keep up with us on the screens as well. But I, I challenge you to mark some of these things because these are promises. When somebody comes up and says, all right, how, how would you prove it? And so what we're going to do is we're going to give illustrations tonight, but illustrations from Scripture. We're actually going to talk about five illustrations from Scripture. We're going to talk about the first three that I do not believe are legitimate illustrations, but that have been given to me of saying, here's the proof, or let me give you an example of why I believe this. And, um, and then uh, we'll go into the actual ones that the Bible says. And uh, here's the illustrations as you're getting there. And I, I don't want to look into the verses because we could bog down into something because there's really nothing tying them. I'm only bringing these up because they were brought up to me. Saying, here's an illustration that God does this. An example of this, which is cool to me, is because I just recently read through Exodus and I, I read through the, the plagues of Egypt. And somebody came to me and was like, hey, you want a good illustration about God allowing his wrath to be poured upon man? But God is still putting a little bubble over them and doing that to where he was still their God. But allowed them to go through that time is the time of Pharaoh and the ten plagues of it over Egypt. And even though they were God's people, they still went through the ten plagues. The same thing as God pouring out uh, the things in Revelation and the, the vile judgments and everything that's come. The Bible also talks about the il illustration that they said that they faced opposition and persecution from Pharaoh. The same way that Christians are going to face opposition from, from the, uh, the leadership of the time and those that oppose what we believe in. The Bible also says that all of Egypt was affected by the plagues except for the children of Israel that were protected. Once again, given that parallel that they were saying. At the end of the ten plagues, God took the children of Israel out of bondage of where he put all those and brought them into the promised land. And I thought, all right, I mean, you can't deny... Looking at that, that there's legitimate uh, application to that as for drawing the parallel. But here's the problem with the theory. And like I said, I don't want to get bogged down with that. I really want to sink our teeth into the actual illustrations that God has given us. The problem with that one up front, number one, nowhere in Scripture does God compare the time of the children of Israel in Egypt with the time of the tribulation. So, I mean, the Bible is pretty specific. And if somebody was able to say, see, the Bible says, as in the days of, or whatever, then I'd be like, boom, okay, you got it. That makes sense. I get it. But there's not. But then I started thinking about this even deeper than that. And I thought, if this is an illustration, then it really overshadows the true illustration of what that passage is about. And you say, what is that? Well, that illustration was to us. And that is the fact that sin was there. And they had to take an innocent lamb, sacrifice that lamb, cover the doorposts, obey God. They went through the door that was covered by the blood of the lamb. And they were protected from the death angel that came through. Now, I don't know if you guys draw the parallel, but that was direct of them foreshadowing what was to come with Jesus Christ on the cross. And it was a picture of the cross, but I cannot draw the conclusion if it was a symbol of the tribulation. And if it was a picture of the tribulation then why in the world, after he was taking them home to heaven, did he have them wander around in the wilderness for all those years? And I'm thinking, where does that apply to us when it comes to the tribulation and things that are going around us? The things to prove that God would allow his children to go through tribulation, another one uh, that we get into, comes from the illustration of the book of Daniel. Now you guys know that Daniel is a book of prophecy. If you're going to get into the book of Daniel, you're going to find out a lot of stuff that does not make sense, but they parallel and connect to Ezekiel and Thessalonians and even into the book of Revelation. 
But somebody else said, okay, let me, let me draw another one. We'll get into our passage here in a minute. But let me draw another one. Look at what God did with Daniel. Talking about that tribulation period time where God allowed him to go into the lion's den, but God stood with him through the lion's den and brought him out. Second illustration that came out, and they said same in that same book, God brought them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. God stood with them in the fire, and then God brought them out. But both of them showed that God brought them through tribulation, but God stood with them through tribulation. And I come back and say, I do agree with you half part of it. And that is the fact that God stands with us in times of tribulation. That is evident, and God proved that through us. But both of these illustrations are cool, but neither one of them go back and connect to what God has said of going through tribulation. And you say, why do you keep saying it that way? Because God meant when he said, and we're going to get into these illustrations, where God says, this is an illustration. And I'd hate to draw a conclusion to something that's not an illustration that he said. So we get into Noah. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. We'll read through this first section of verses and then we'll pray together. It says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Right there, we automatically conclude, we know what we're talking about. But as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Does this connect to the rapture? And I'd have to say yes. And you say, how? Keep reading. And then it says in verse 40, Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what the hour of the Lord come. Say, so how do you know this is an illustration dealing with the rapture? First of all, the Bible comes right out and states it. He said, this as in the days of. Let me give you an illustration. It's the same way it was with this, it will be with this. But we can learn so much for us today of learning that. Because very few people were, you know, during that time went through the time of Noah and our generation now going through the time of the end times. So we're able to know that this application, unlike lots of generations, directly to us. But I want you to back up to verse 36. And verse 37. But as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Lord be. And it says in verse 38, this, this comparison, For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Before the flood, before God poured out his wrath on them, the Bible describes what was going on, ignoring the preaching for all of those years. And the Bible says, In the last days, men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That, that generation right there, that the whole evidence of what's going on, nobody cared as they stood and they preached and, and Noah for the hundred years and everything that they poured into it could care less. Even though the signs of the ark being built and the warning to do, then every God calling out them through all of that, that and the Bible says, not until the day that Noah entered into the ark. God provided salvation through the ark. He is the only way. He is the door. Then God shut the door. And the Bible says... Verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so also shall the Son of Man being. And I step back and ask you, when did God pour out his judgment upon them? After they were sealed in the salvation of what God promised to the ark. And that was it. Then the floods came. In Luke chapter 17, verse 28, we come to another illustration. I'm going to spend most of tonight on this illustration because I said before, I want to tie it into 
Christians living in the last days. Christians living in the last days. I'm not, and I hope it doesn't cross into this because I, I've done series before where I got up and said, here's signs of the times. And it's kind of hard not to touch on this without even getting into some of those things. But here's the second illustration. And I know this is an illustration because God said, as in the days of Noah, now he's going to say that again. Luke chapter 17, verse 28. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, or eat and drank and brought and sold and they planted and they builded. Once again, that same parallel. The world living it up. Everybody turned their backs on God. There's no longer people pursuing God or falling on their knees. No revival, no seeking after God whatsoever. But in the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, if I were you, I would, even in your Bibles as you're reading this, you could underline uh, verse 29. But in the same day, Lot went out of Sodom. Then it rained fire upon them. And we're going to get deeper into that because I'm going to prove this in the actual story. Even thus shall it be in the day of Sodom, the Son of Man is revealed. And he ties it again, once again, into the rapture. Verse 34, I tell you that in that night there shall be, no, there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding together. One shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. But I want to walk you through and show you this comparison. I want to take you back, if you will, turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. The reason why I'm doing this is because I, I know this is a parallel where God came out and said, as it was. So I want to go back and see how it was. If you, I, I, I want to go back and see what was going on. And I really didn't get into this until recently. I, I was reading through Genesis and I, and I read this and I took my highlight. And I was highlighting all these things that stood out to me. And I went, wow, how many parallels. And it ought to make sense because it was Jesus that said it will be in the days. You want to know how it's going to be in those latter days? All you have to do is go back to these days. Look at these days and you're going to glimpse of how it's going to be in those latter days. As it was in the days of Lot. Genesis chapter 19, verse 21. And he said unto him, and then, let me back up and let me explain what's going on. The angels came to take Lot and his family out. And you guys know the story. Lot requested that they are allowed to go to the city of Zorah. And they conceded to this. Now, I want to show you guys the exact parallel of what I'm talking about. Then he said unto them, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, which is talking about allowing them to go to that city. That I will not overthrow this city for that which is that I was spoken. Haste thee, escape thither. For I cannot do anything till thou be come thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. That is your parallel. You say, what, what is the parallel? We're talking about God pouring out his wrath. It, when, you, when you get into this and you see what's going on, you see that God goes to them. God sent in the messengers. God warns them of the wrath that is to come. They, they, they accept the, the instruction that they have. They leave and he gives them the instruction. He said, here's the thing. God will not pour out his wrath upon this city until you have gotten out. And the promise that he gave them through that of God promising even to us, as in the days of Lot, so shall the coming of man be. 
And I thought, if those are the two illustrations, and both illustrations of the ark and them escaping Sodom and Gomorrah, both of them show that parallel of what God was saying about them escaping. I know uh, this is a sensitive thing. This is the part that jumped out at me. And I, I want to parallel or explain this or tie this into as in the days of comparing it to where we're at now. And you guys know without a doubt that the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, sodomy, and everything that is tied into it today, um, th th nothing positive. No nobody ever says the words, it looks like Sodom and Gomorrah, and they mean it in a positive sense whatsoever. And a lot of people have said it looks like America has gotten to that point. And say, why, why would we focus on America, not on the rest of the world? And, and I say that because I think that we were that, that strong voice for so long. Out of all the world, we were the ones sending, training, preaching. We, we were the ones that had churches. We were the ones that stood up and declared that we are one nation under God. And I know I say that a lot. I know you say that a lot. But at the same time, that is all changing. In the days of Lot, if you guys will remember what happened, God said, I will spare them 50, or, you know, and it went all the way down by tens, down through the numbers, and it came down to where he says, what's left? And I see that slowly happening to our nation today. I'm going to illustrate that here in a minute. I want you guys to actually see this and know what I'm talking about. These, this illustration of what's going on in their society and I thought, why is Sodom and Gomorrah used at the end times? But then we see the wickedness of the people. The two angels come into the city to warn Lot of the wrath to come. And I want you to look at Genesis chapter 19 verse 4 and see the wickedness of this. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, talking about Lot's house with the, the two angels in there, both old and young. All the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out to the door unto them and shut the door after him. And say, what, what is this? I'll tell you what it is. It's disgusting. And I don't have to get into it to explain to you guys what's going on, but they were in a city, and I, and I, I guess when I read it this time, it, I just visualized this house with these people beating, trying to beat the door down of the sin that so encompassed them that they, they were so taken over by this that they could not even control themselves. Beating on the door of Lot, one thing that saddened me about it is the fact that they did never even acknowledge Lot being a man of God because he had lost his testimony. He had lost his testimony because he, he, he allowed himself to get into that situation to begin with he should have never been in that city to begin with but this is the reason that God was going to pour out his wrath because the the, the wickedness was so great before God God said the same thing when it was with Noah he said the wickedness before them is continually before me as God when it came to Noah when he was talking to him about building the boat the city was consumed with sin they say sin is sin true but this is sin attacks the very foundation of everything else. It wasn't long ago I, I preached the message and I kind of alluded to this and I wanted to go back to it. About the foundation, the Bible says that if the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? You say, what is the foundation? We've gone through those things and, and I really, just to be biblical, I thought I'm going to go back to the foundation. So I went back to Genesis. You turn to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. What are you going to find is the foundation? God created Adam. God created Eve, 
no government, no church, no family, none of those other institutions that were to follow. It was Adam and Eve. And the Bible says they were both naked, they were unashamed, and God brought them unto one another. And God said, it's not bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. And you know what God himself said about that union right there? He said the words, it is good. We have now taken what God has said is good, and we've drug it through the mud. How long can we tolerate this? We were blown away the first time that gay marriage was voted and legalized. The first time it was even brought up. I was shocked today because I, I, I was curious. I thought, I wonder if any other states have actually passed this. Am I just left in the dark? Or did you guys realize this? 36 states have passed gay marriage law. 36 states now, from what I understand, the, the, the beauty of the others is the fact that they actually have passed bans, not just that they haven't passed that, they've passed bans prohibiting that. But so, so much has changed. I, I actually looked this up, Richard, if you could, or Josh, if you can throw this chart up, and I know you guys can't read all of this, but when I just looked up the statistic, I wanted to see, okay, in the days of Lot, in the days of Lot, and I pulled this up, do you support opposing gays and lesbians to marry uh, legally? Go all the way back to 2003. Of the ones that support, it's 37% compared to the ones that oppose. Am I the only one that sees a complete shift of what's happened? We're talking about America here. In just a span of 11 years... We have gone through where they have crossed somewhere in 2011, you know, 2012 in that time period right there where we had a major shift where, where it was equal at one time, but then those opposers went down and the supporters went up. You say, where are you going with this? We're quickly approaching as in the days of Lot. A teen parent told me about their daughter that continuously gets hit on by lesbians at their public school. Thursday night, I was sitting in a coffee shop with some friends, and um, we, I, was, I was off to the side, and I was moving some chairs around so that we could fellowship and talk and sit there. And there was an odd couple there. And I'm not saying that to be critical, i just observant. <laughs> and I said, that's got to be the ugliest woman I've ever seen in my life. And you're saying you're passing judgment. I didn't know at that time that it was a transvestite. Thou, that kind of came together. And I'm sitting there and you say, how do you know that? Because I sat there to hear them converse about their, it was bad. And we were getting our coffee and we, I said, let's, let's sit over here. We, we, we moved our spot and everything about them talking about this. And I thought, I never thought we would live in the day and age that this would be so open. So what, what, what is going on in our life? My question is not what's going on, but my fear is what's next. In March 18, 2013, the Washington Post and ABC News did a survey to our young adults, 18 to 29 in America. They said regardless of political affiliation, 81, 81% of the young adults in that age group supported the freedom of equality in marriage. 81. I'm not talking Republican, Democrat, or, or, you know, we're talking all in one gamut. And you say, why is that so important? 
Because that chart is changing really fast. And if it was 37% of conservatives here, what's the next generation coming? You say, why are you saying? As in the days of Noah and into the days of Lot, when you saw this transpiring, you saw this happening right before your eyes, and, and you can imagine, just imagine Noah trying to raise his family. You say, well, what about Lot raising his family? Have you read the story? It's not good. He ran through the city after he was leaving and he was knocking and beating on the doors, begging them. And when he walked in, the son-in-laws that they had married mocked him and told him he was crazy and he ran out of the city and left his family behind. You see, what's going on in our nation right now, they are conditioning our children. They are conditioning our children. It's not a matter of them sitting up there promoting it and screaming it in their face. The Bible says that Satan that we fight against is extremely subtle. And the fact that they have grown up in this. I, 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 I know everybody jokes when I say that I'm 38 and I'm not trying to pretend like I'm old and ancient or whatever. But let me just say a, a, a comment that I never thought that I would say. Back when I was a kid, times were different. <laughs> and it's just true. And the sad thing, when I was a kid, wasn't that long ago. And, and, and going back to the fact that I remember the conversations of, uh, of the different things when it came to that, that was just taboo. But it's not just taboo anymore. It's edified. And they were talking about the opposition that our young people face, that if you say anything, saying that that is wrong or sin or whatever, you are automatically an outcast as if you are... Uh, discriminating just because you're trying to stand for the truth. The sad thing is that it's also creeping into the church. I'm not saying this is the church, but it was in March of last year that I about fell out of my seat when I saw that World Vision had posted. And I looked it back up today. I just I didn't want to miscommunicate this. World Vision, one of the, the leading uh, people that go after these children worldwide and give them the gospel came out and said that they have changed their stand on homosexuality and they will now begin to hire gays and lesbians as long as they're biblically married. <laughs> no joke. Read the article. They said as long as they're married and they're committed to one another and everything that they were going to accept them and bring them in. He said, well, that's not the case anymore. You're right. They lost so much support so fast that they came out with an apology and then re pulled back their statement of what they were saying with that. But you know what I say to that? They're only standing where they're standing now for the, for, to keep their money. That's it. It's not the conviction that they're standing on. It's the support that they lost that they're standing on. You say, well, that's just one example. I know it is. Another article came out where they were demonstrating and talking about, and I won't get into that. It's not my thing about how many denominations have changed their stand. Guys, we don't vote to change our stand. We already have our stand. And, that, and that's the thing we have to understand. God has given us and said, here's the line, this is what I said, thus saith the Lord. And, and it's vital. I mean, we, we, I was talking this morning about the, the important things of standing for what is right and us to fight for what God has actually said and, and to fight tooth and nail in those. And we've got to do that. Let, let me show you how sick this is. Keep reading. Now remember, this is the only righteous found in the city. The only righteous found in the city. Verse 
In chapter 19, verse 7, and the man of God speaks, thank you. And he said, I pray you, brethren, do not do so wickedly. Do not. These, these, these are men of God, and all of us would say, praise God that they stood. Let, let me tell you the fear of living in this world. When the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know what the word conformed to this world means? It means to be compressed into a mold. That's what the word conform means. What the world tries to do is they put you in that mold. And that's what you can see when all these teen channels and magazines and everything, they're just saying, this is how you look, this is how you act, this is how you dress. And they're trying to compress them into a mold. That's not what Christians are supposed to do. We change lives by the renewing of their mind. That's what the Bible says. We give them the, uh, the, the word of God. The spirit of God changes them. And you see long-lasting effects in their life due to them following the Spirit of God. But at the same time, we're not standing. We're going to be like Lot. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. The Bible says in the last days, people will come to the point of without natural affection. Now, th- now there's two the things that people mix up in the last days. That There's two signs. Men shall become lovers of themselves, but then it says unnatural, and there's a number of phrasing. Sometimes we mix it saying that's talking about homosexuality. It's unnatural for you not to love your kids. It's unnatural. Something has happened to your brain. When you sit and look at something, when it comes to your children, and you no longer can identify what is right and what is wrong. And when we can sit there and allow the junk of this world, and we don't call it out as being the junk of this world, we allow the junk of this world to conform into their image. Saying that's radical. No, it's Bible. When we don't call out sin being sin, Lot would have never thought that him going in that direction would end up like this. You say, why are you saying this? Because it was God that says it will be like in the days of Lot. Let me tell you guys, you want to know what it's going to be like? When it changes, when all these things happen around? And this, what happened to Lot? The Bible says, and you don't have to turn there, in 2 Peter 2, 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with the overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. He said, let me me tell you what happens. When a nation forgets God, when you hold up the wrong things, when the very foundation of man and woman is not even that foundation is respected in in the eyes of man, there is a problem. In Jude chapter 1 verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. See, it wasn't just the homosexuality. The Bible says fornication is talking about sexual sins altogether. He said they are set as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. He said, let me tell you what's going on. When it gets like this, he said, there's a boiling point, and I'll get to that here in a minute. In Genesis 18, verse 20, when I went back and I saw 
this setup of what God was doing, warning them of Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 20, and the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is so grievous. I looked up the word grievous, it means heavy. It meant, another word meant, at its boiling point. We're going to put it in our terms, God says enough was enough. 36 states in America, 36 states in America have now said we have taken God completely out of our view of marriage. 14 left. And I'm not comparing it, but I still go back. Lord, if you can find 50, you can find 40. Lord, if I, if I can find you 30, we are defiling the most precious creation that God has given us when God said it is good. You say, what is my point? That this is the heart of God. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that was the whole story of what God was doing with Abraham. In spite of all the wickedness, God was not willing. He was willing to step in in the middle of all that mess and go to them and, and save them and love them and show them mercy. I, I, I want to ask you the question, what about us at the end? What, what about us in the end? The, the, the stage is being set for all this unfold. And the Bible has said, and I told you guys, in the end time, the Bible says that perilous times will come. I, I, I go back and I started thinking, I know this is just a silly illustration, but it still proves the point. Where I look back not too long ago, a year ago, when Chick-fil-A just came out and made a vocal presentation of saying the words, we support marriage of a man and a woman. They did not bash. They were not firing people. They were not, they were not putting anti-whatever signs out. They just made the statement, we support this. Did anybody get mad over that? I mean, actually, we were blown away at what they did and how they were having the, the kissing things where they were actually going to bring the homosexuals into the restaurants and all that campaign that went in. And all I can think of all that grossness of what they were going to do despite them for standing up, as I think back to Lot when they were beaten on the door saying, no, you're not. They stood for something biblical and the outcome was that they faced opposition. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Let me ask you guys, are we ready for persecution? And you say, I, I, we don't even know what that's going to look like and how's that going to come our way. And it's definitely not like it is overseas when we see the, the, the beheadings and everything for all these preachers that, that are being pulled out of their churches and underground churches and everything that's going on around us and saying it's not like that here in America. And I, I don't, I'm not even saying that's going to be. We don't know. But I do know that he said it's going to get difficult for all those that live godly. You, you know why? I, I went back and I thought, let's just take this same lot illustration. Is Columbus, Ohio, an election, blah, 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 passes that. And all of a sudden, there's preachers in Columbus, Ohio, that still take their Bible and walk to the pulpit and say, let me tell you, that is wrong. Do you know who we're calling wrong at that point? Our government. Our leaders. Our politicians. And their voters. Do you guys see what I'm saying? You say, oh, that is so far-fetched. 
You know how it says in the last times where they, they will bring you before the rulers and all those things. I thought, man, how long before? And they've already done this in other states where they deliberately send somebody in and say, will you marry us? It's legal in the state. We, we want to be married in this church. No, you cannot. And the thing comes back at hate crimes and discrimination. And David Gibbs already came back and he said, you, and I asked him, I said, okay, where's her grounds? He said, they'll never get you for preaching this because you have a biblical right. It's going to be your interpretation of it when you come out and they say, you hate my daughter for the way she lives. It's a hate crime, the same way of all the other different types of hate crimes that are coming up. I'm asking you this as mom and dad, as parents there, are we willing to take a stand? Richard, if you can jump forward to the last verse, and I'll skip the other ones. I, I thought of this. In Ephesians 6, 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all the stand. I looked up in the evil day. The, in the evil day is not referencing the end times. In the evil day is talking about any in the time of opposition is what it, it meant. That's the reference of that passage. But it said, what, what, how in the world are we going to live? How are mom and dad that is here, what are you going to do? Because the thing is, if they're not being indoctrinated by what is right in, in our youth groups and in our church, and if you're not backing up the youth pastor and, and Pastor Tyler Kalis, he's going earnestly going after them. They're in this pressure cooker of this world, and they're, they're having their ideas made and everything else. It, and you talk about the Bible says in the last days that there will be rebellion breaking out and apathy and everything else. Why? Because it's creating this. He is the God of this world, and he is setting up his kingdom for what is to come. We are pilgrims passing through. This world is not my home. But I tell you, as I'm going through this, the Bible says to stand, stand, stand. And it doesn't matter in the end times as the size of the crowd that we get and whether all, all these other stuff. And, I, and that's, what, I guess, why I get so frustrated where, I, you know, we took, this morning we talked about we're replace, replacing the seats and people are going to be upset about it. I'm thinking, why aren't they more upset about who's going to hell? Why, why, why are we not getting worked up about the things that we should be getting worked up about? That pew is going to burn up one day, okay? It's not, we're, we're not taking it with you. Us, us, <laughs> excluded me from this. <laughs> we're, we're not taking these things, but what we will take with us are the souls that we go after, the people that we love, the difference that we, we make in this world. That's why the Bible says, stand, take a stand, Say, they're not going to like it. The Bible's already told us they're not going to like it. He said, that's why there's going to be other preachers that when that law is passed and the governor and the mayor and everybody else is behind in this and you know that it could be the news station standing at the back door saying, here's another one. What are you going to say from the pulpit at that point? The Bible says, I know what a lot of them are going to say, that they're going to they're have itching ears. Just tell, just, I just will skip it. But I'll tell you what happens when we skip the truth. We hurt those that need the truth. And they get lost in the darkness. They get lost not knowing. They get, Satan goes after them and tricks them, making them think that all that is good and brings blessings and joy when it does not. I say all this because it's coming. It is coming. I mean, we can see it on the horizon. We see it in the news. We see all this stuff happening all around us. The law is changing. Our world is changing. Our, our, our nation that we had under God is changing.
but I don't want to be that church that changes on this. And as long as we understand these things, because the Bible tells us, he says, and and I should have pulled up the verse, he says, I tell you all of this so that you're not taken off guard when these things come to pass. God warned us. We, we, We need to be firm and standing fast and knowing what we believe and why we believe it. I, I, I believe these things, and I know that you guys do too. But one day, he is coming back. We need to be living every day like we believe that. When the last days was described as that apathetic church, it's that shrub, you know, let's get involved. Let's, hey, we need, we need help in junior church. We, we, we need people to go out. We need to be passing our tracks, and we do all this, and it's just that shrub of, Who cares? We really believe that our kids were being left behind, our neighbors, whoever's lost was left behind, we'd act a whole lot different. 